Amen. We'll do a quick shift. Red light's on and I'm there. Cool. I was just sharing with the worship team um, as we were praying at the beginning, just that I I don't know why, but for whatever reason, Christmas carols have an, uh, an uncanny way of totally undoing me, just leaving me lost in his presence. And I don't know whether it's because their lyrics are totally 100 I mean, all our worship songs are focused on him, but there's just something about particular songs and I can, I can just sit there without singing a particular word and just rest in them and, I, and the tears just flow. It's really, uh, it's really quite lovely. There is a, sense, a real sense of gladness, you know, when we get to this time of year. And I, I do love the picture that God gave me, only because, you know, my mind works in that way. With, with movies, but just to think of God, you know, holding up his son to the entire world, saying he's the gift. You know, he's the gift. Um, for those that don't know Rob, uh, particularly for our, our guests today, he's one of our elders, and Rob shared a, um, just a thought and a word that he had while we were praying, uh, over, particularly for this morning, but the Chris, this Christmas time, and that word was reveal, revelation. It was like in the package of Jesus as a baby, God revealed his plan. You know, in the package of Jesus, he brought revelation to a, an entire world that was waiting, anxiously waiting for the Saviour. And, and I love that thought, you know, that in Jesus, he's the fulfilment. He, he's the revelation you've been seeking, you know. It's actually such a lovely thought. Anyway, the last, last week I was talking about uh, more of God and experiencing more of him. And I, I know that for some that... That can be a grapple to, to get a hold of. But if we believe in a God that has no beginning and a God that has no end, how can we imagine that our finite minds can totally grab hold of all, the, of all of who he is? It's impossible. And then we even talked about last week that prayer of Jabez where he says, move the tent pegs of my heart so that I can encompass more and experience more. There's always more to experiencing God. It doesn't matter what highs we live or what lows we experience. He meets us in those places all the time. And the more we experience in life, unfortunately, in most cases, you know, just the way things turn around, the more wonderful it is because he always meets us in that place. You know, some of our greatest growth for our own faith comes in our most destitute and dark times when we can actually just solely focus on him and say hey there's no there's none like you god there's just none like you if it wasn't for you in this moment i'd be finished you know but more of god there's always more for us and i believe and what i shared last week was a lot of experiencing more of him encountering more of him is us not being angry with where we find ourselves in life but instead getting hungry for him really hungry for him and I think if I look back even at my own faith, I'm 49, uh, pressing towards 49A, because I don't want to say that F word, you know. It's a swear word, that F word. It's a five, one, two, hell, how many letters in that word? Five or six, anyway. I don't want to say that word. I'm getting close to that. So um, I just think the last 30 years of my life as a, a Christian, there are always times where I've experienced more of him. But in that period of time, there are times where I haven't been hungry, you know. And when you stop to think about the parts in your faith where there's been a lull, I wonder if it's because deep down inside we're more angry than hungry, more disappointed than glad, yeah? 
You know, we will always experience and encounter more of God, more of Jesus if we seek him, if we chase him, if we run him down, you know. I, I love that picture of the prodigal son where the father's waiting. As soon as the prodigal turns and starts to run back home, the father runs, you know. We can chase him. The brilliance is, unlike those of us that are competitive that would run away from our children so they can't chase us, to say that we're quicker, better, faster, you know, the $6 million men. I'm sort of losing that ability, though. Anyway, um, we find that God, when he sees us running towards him, comes running back. You know, that's the beauty of our God. You know, we can find him because he's hidden to be found. He is hidden to be found. Scripture after scripture, seek me, seek me, seek me, seek me. I can't seek for something that's, that's not out of sight. Yeah, he's always there, but for us to seek him out. You know, we can catch him because all he desires, all that Father God desires is an encounter with you, an encounter with me. Which, when you think about it like that, it's, it's a hard thing to grasp that the living God just wants a relationship with us. With us. Who, who are we? You know, some of us drive nice cars, some of us drive bombs. Some of us live in big houses, some of us in caravans. Who are we? What, of what importance are we that... The creator of everything would want a relationship with us. But all he desires is an encounter with us, with you. I knew I should have stopped at two coffees this morning. Anyway. You know, the theme for our year that's coming to an end was seeing, you know, seeing as he sees, seeing what he sees. You know, the circumstances, situations we find ourselves in, to see those the way that he sees them. Last week, while I was speaking, you know, what did you see? When God was moving, what did you see? Did you see through your eyes that were seeing as if he was seeing or were you seeing through your own eyes? Last week, I thought there was a, a very sweet but very tangible presence of the Almighty God. I think we can experience tangible moments with him. I think it's sad to think that we could walk through our entire life having a faith where we never have a vision, a word, an encounter with a, a God that we say is alive. To never have a vision, a word, an encounter with a God that we say is alive is almost like following a God that doesn't exist. Yeah? And last week, there was this presence, lovely, sweet presence, but it wasn't because we have flashing lights. We don't. We don't have those things. We don't have a smoke machine where little, you know, electronic lights come through and it looks like Star Wars. We don't have that stuff here. Yet his presence was here just the same. Amazing, isn't it? You know, we've got peach-coloured seats and Holy Spirit still came. If I was Holy Spirit, I probably would have turned away and thought, well, I'm not sitting on those things. Not until they're grey or black or blue, you know. Like, but he still came. And it's not because we had wonderful worship, even though we actually do have magnificent worship it wasn't because of that it was because for me his tangible presence was here one because he's an awesome god because but because there was a hunger within us yeah and so one one thing that you can never experience totally on your own in your personal intimate relationship with jesus but when you come together corporately and there's a a corporate unity and hunger for him it just seems to crack open the heavens in such a way that you experience him in some, some way new, yeah? You know, last week for me, you felt him as you walked through the door, you 
You sensed him in worship, for, not because I was speaking, but I was overcome as I was speaking. He, so for me, he was speaking through me, through the word. He was just alive and well, yeah? There were people that I think were being set free without knowing. And there were, there were miracles being done in the seats and, and we won't even hear the stories of those just yet until someone realises that I normally react this way but I didn't react this way. I wonder when that shift and change happened, you know? You know, God is wonderful, Jehovah sneaky. He does stuff like that from time to time. You know, and I have to say, I come away from moments like that excited about our God but also excited about our church and all that God has planned for Mount Clear Church of Christ. Yeah? I mean... There's so many people that have made this church what it is. You know, I think of one particular person, uh, a family really, that have invested a lot of time here. Can we put one of those pictures up? Would that be okay? You know, some of the people in this house even got married here, believe it or not. Some of them even celebrated 25 years uh, of marriage see how beautiful they look <laughs> like that the, the glory of God is so bright that you can't quite make out the picture like stunning absolutely have you ever seen a dress like that that is one of the most magnificent dresses that I've ever seen in my entire life don't you hate when it's not working let's give it another there it is all right let's see if we can make it a little bit bigger there's Sally and Scott getting married 25 years ago, yeah? That's not a bad investment into one, you know, we should be praying for another 25 years, but not a bad investment into one house, as we call it, one family, yeah? I love it. I, I don't miss the bricks in the background. I, I have to admit, I never ever saw the lead light window when I came nine years ago. That lead light window was, didn't exist. They were all that smoky brown colour. Um, yeah, I'm really much happier with the brown wall uh with the blue wall and can we see another another the next picture yes well wait till you see the next picture look look how young sally and scott look and there's the peach carpet but look in the background the peach curtains they're there and yet god has remained in our church for 160 years even with peach curtains god is so good I just love that because I, 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 we wanted to show those, those things because it's a milestone to reach 25 years. But it, it just speaks of legacy into what someone's invested into the one place, yeah? And, um, well, we pray for another 25 years for you, Sal and Scott. Um, like, seriously, bless you guys. We have such a rich heritage in the house of people that are, are reasonably new, people that have been here for some time, yeah, people that have come and have gone, but they have brought with them a sense of hunger. And that's why we can have moments with the Almighty God that make no sense to some, that people visit for the first time and they walk in. And, you know, I was talking even to, to uh, I hope you don't mind, Kate, but it's too late now. Um, <laughs> you know, Kate was just sharing, you know, from the moment that I walked in, she goes, I just felt like everyone accepted me. I just, I didn't feel... Judge, I just felt loved. You know, that's years of people being hungry for God because where God's presence is, where he is, you can't help but feel enveloped in that and loved by that, yeah? I love that. And so for me, all I know is that 
I want more of that all the time. Yeah, I want to experience more of that all the time. I want to encounter more of him all the time. It means we need to trust him. <laughs> it means we need to see as he sees and we need to set our eyes on him. But if anything can give us focus, it's that one thought that his greatest desire is us. His greatest desire is you. His greatest desire is the person next to you. Even though you're quite surprised by that, <laughs> it really is. He really does like the person next to you. You may not, <laughs> but he does. He likes the person next to you. He wants more of you. He wants to encounter you. He wants to have an encounter, you know? And as we spoke last week, we talked about seeking him and having a sense that wants to go after him. And I want to add that his desire for us is so great, you know, I don't think we can actually capture it, but his desire for us is so great, yeah, that all he does from the very beginning of time, God, is he has orchestrated things to ensure that he has an encounter with us, like over and over and over again. He actually is so, so hungry. He put a plan in place to, to give us Jesus, but there was even more than that. You know, I love Luke 19, 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Also, what was lost, which was our identity, but to bring us back into his family. But for me, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We always remember that in line with the cross, Yeah. We always remember it with the cross. But you know what? He gave his son before the cross. He gave his son when he said, all right, hey, Jesus, see ya, bye, go down to earth. What? Down there? No way. God, if you see, they're miserable. They haven't even learned how to cook fish yet. They, they don't deep fry it yet. You know, like, I don't know what conversation they would have had, but he gave his only son from the moment that he sent him down. And we celebrate that at Christmas, don't we? the gift of his child. God was so hungry for us that he sent Jesus as a baby. That's how hungry he was for us. I've got a scripture I want to read, Luke 19, 1 to 8. And I want to talk about hunger because he examples what it is to be hungry. He was hungry for us, that he wants an encounter with us, that he did all of this stuff, but there's still more. Because Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not, uh, could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, said to him, Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, depending on how you prefer the pronunciation, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this. And began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You know, I, I, I love this story because there's a part of it that I don't think we teach in church all the time. We tell a story to the kids and, you know, they draw Zacchaeus this little Linden midget of a man, and they show him, for those that are our guests, Linden's a good friend of ours that happens to be studying in a Bible college in the US at the moment, that hopefully no one will tell him about that comment. Anyway, and they, they, we draw pictures of Zacchaeus being short, climbing up a tree to get, to get a view of Jesus, yeah? 
But what we don't see and what is in the story is a whole package. It shows a divine purpose, God's purpose. It shows a hunger, yeah? One, a divine hunger, God's hunger for us. And it also shows us this encounter that happens if this hunger yeah, meets from both sides. Because the Bible tells us that he was a short man, that he was height challenged. Like, for all those that are short, I'm really sorry. But I figure I'm just going to point it out because the Bible did. You know, you're height challenged. I'm like, anyway, it doesn't matter. It was, it was then. It was then. He was height challenged. But knowing that he was short, and we know that because the Bible tells us that, makes a point of, of picking on people that are short. Um, I, I have this thought, and, and I've had this over and over and over again, and some of you may have had this thought too. It was really lucky that there was a tree nearby. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to see Jesus. There was really, it was really lucky for Zacchaeus, being a short man, that there was a sycamore tree nearby. But here's another thought on top of that. Since you and I breathed our first breath, Father God has planned an encounter with us. And I don't know whether you were brought up in a Christian home or whether you came to faith like I did. I was brought up in a Catholic home, but I came to faith at 19. I had a, for me, I had this revelation that I had for my entire life acknowledged a God that I did not know, presumed that I was okay with him, yet never made, made any time for him. And it was in that place, I wasn't convicted of sin. I was convicted of not knowing this God that actually went to the extent of giving me a child that actually went on to die on a cross for me. Yeah, And... From the very moment that we were alive, he was planning an encounter with us. And I want to suggest that from the very moment that Zacchaeus was alive, he was planning an encounter with him. He like God planned to encounter him because he wanted to have a relationship with him. Yeah. And that sycamore tree, it's almost like that tree became his destiny. Like you can call it a tree of destiny, if you will. It sounds more like a sword, you know, the sword of destiny. But, you know, it's a tree. That sycamore tree is a tree of destiny. So let me explain it like this. If you speak to, to botanists or people that love gardening and trees and all, all, all those people that are green thumbs, of which I, I'm not, if you've ever been to my backyard, you know that, they'll tell you that a sycamore tree takes over 50 years to grow. Yeah? Over 50 years to get to a decent height. It's one of the slowest growing trees, they reckon. I didn't know that. Hey, when you do some research, you learn all sorts of stuff. And so, long before Zacchaeus was born, God had to plant a seed, a sycamore seed in a place that would take over 50 years to grow to be ready before Zacchaeus got to that place. You've got to think about how hungry God must be for us that he would plan stuff in such minute detail that he would have had to have orchestrated it. I, I, I actually often think about, I wonder how the story played out in heaven, you know? You know, if this tree was a tree of destiny, how did it play out? And, and, and I reckon it was a conversation in heaven. You know, God would have had a conversation with his angels almost, if you like, you know? And it probably went something like this, hey, you two angels over there, I've just planted a seed over there, sycamore tree. Can you go and spend the next 50 years there and can you make sure that no donkey steps over the top of it, no animal chews it down, no rabbit destroys it? Can you ensure that it's there? It needs to be there for uh, 50 years, three days and 74 hours. You know, 
And I reckon the angels would have said, you've got to be joking. Like, with all of our angelic power, you want us to go and protect a tree, like, for 50-odd years. Like, what a waste of being an angel. Now, we could be singing worship to you. We could be doing all sorts of stuff. But you want us to protect the tree. Like, it's a seed. It, it has to, like, you still have to water it, God. It's, nothing's moved. Make sure no camel eats it. Make sure no man builds anything on it. Yeah. Are you serious, God? Yeah, I reckon God was serious. I reckon he would have said, no, you know what? Nothing is more important to me than the encounter that I'm planning. Nothing is more important to me than the meeting that I'm orchestrating. Nothing is more important to me than having a relationship with this man. Nothing. Go and look after that tree. So for 50 years, plus years, this sycamore tree yeah, was protected. So for 50 plus years, God made sure that that tree could complete its divine purpose, purpose given it by the Almighty God. Yeah. God was making sure that when the time came, there was an opportunity for Zacchaeus to encounter God, to encounter him. Now, God couldn't make Zacchaeus climb the tree but he could plant it and make sure that it was there. Yeah. You know, only, only his hunger could get him to climb the tree. Only his hunger could get him to climb his destiny, if you will. Yeah. You know, God has invested more than we know in us so that we can have a divine encounter with him. You know, how long did God cultivate the potential of that moment in that tree? How, how long did he do that for? How many years did God have the angels stand guard over that tree of destiny? And Zacchaeus was a, was a rich man, he was a, but he was a social outcast. The Jews didn't trust him. They actually didn't even like him. Yeah, They didn't think well of him at all. And if that's not bad enough, on top of that, he's short. Like, he's already disliked. But he's, he's short, you know, like if life's not hard enough, he's short. I'm not tall, I'm only 5'10", but he was short, yeah? He was so short that when he heard Jesus was coming their way, he couldn't even see it. He couldn't even see the dust moving. He couldn't see through the crowd. He wasn't able to see it at all. And, and he wanted to get a look, you know, it might be a coincidence, I don't know, but, but isn't it funny that this short sinner wasn't able to see Jesus? Here's a question. I call it a play on words, if you like, but haven't we all fallen short of the glory of God where we have had moments where we've not been able to see him? Yeah? And Zacchaeus would have thought to himself, could this really be the Messiah? All this noise, this ruckus, could this really be him? You know, could this be the fulfillment of prophecy? Over 300 prophecies, you know, Ray talked about during communion. Could this be the Christ, the Son of the living God? I want to see him. I want to get close to him. Before you knew it, he had this hunger. He wasn't angry at being disliked. wasn't angry that people would have thought all sorts of things about him because he collected their money. He wasn't angry that he was born short. He wasn't angry at God because of all of that. He just became hungry for who people were saying were God, the Messiah. 
You know, he would have been struggling and wrestling. Do you imagine the fear of what people would have said about him if he displayed this abandoned hunger? If he just decided to be totally hungry for God, totally abandoned, they already don't like him. They already think really yuck thoughts about him. Imagine what they're going to think now if he does something ludicrous, something ridiculous. You know, the truth is that no one of his stature, and I just don't mean height, but no one of his stature, because stature could be, you know, your reputation, yeah? No one of his stature will ever see God unless we climb our tree of destiny. We will never see God unless we climb our tree of destiny. The truth is no one of his stature will ever see him unless they're really desperate, really hungry. Because you can say you know God, you can say that you're a Christian and have no hunger whatsoever and never have an encounter with him. You can do that in your relationship with your wives and husbands. You can speak all the words you like, but if there's not real hunger there that moves you to something, yeah. Zacchaeus was desperate. He wanted to see Jesus. He was hungry. The problem is that when we're hungry, we're exposed. We're open. When we're hungry, people around us might actually see and notice that hunger. Yeah? You can walk down the street, no one will know that you're a Christian unless you've got a fish sticker on the back of your car just as you cut them off and they notice it. That's why you never put a fish sticker on your car. Okay, that's the moral of the story there. It's not not to cut them off. It's not to put a fish sticker on your car. As long as we've got that settled, we're all good. You know, I think the angels would have been crying out, come on, I reckon they would have been up. We've been looking after this tree for 50 years. Come on, Zacchaeus, climb the tree, dude. Don't worry about the splinters. Don't worry about what people think. Do it, man, do it. God's put that there for you. Go, go, go. I reckon that's how they would have been yelling out. You know, almost pressing him towards that tree, trying to stir up a hunger on the inside of him. Climb the tree. Climb the tree. It's your, it's your destiny. It's its purpose to hold you, to carry you, to lift you. What will he do? Will he protect his reputation? You know, will he decide to worry about what people think about him? Or will he actually allow that hunger to take control? Will he actually decide to feed that hunger? You know, he could have got upset about all sorts of stuff, but instead he got hungry. So often there are situations like the sycamore tree of destiny, all planned out by God, not orchestrated by God, but planned out by God, you know, to give us an opportunity to cry out to him. They're not always nice. They don't always come in the package that we would like them to. I figure that Zacchaeus would have loved Jesus to have walked past him and said, oh, you must be Zacchaeus. How are you, my friend? What's, it, what's the weather like down there? Let me come back to your place. I'm sure he would have preferred that than to, in the crowd, climb up the tree, yeah, where everyone could see him. Isn't that the tax collector? Isn't that the bloke with all the money? Isn't he filthy rich? What's he doing on the... Like he's like, he's like a street kid. But these situations, they're there to give us an opportunity to be hungry. They're there to give us an opportunity to climb our tree, regardless of what those around us might think. You know, When I think that God's gone to the extent of giving us baby Jesus, to what extent are we prepared to go? 
that we might discover that which will take our breath away, yeah? You know, I think of um, Grace often with her prophetic painting. And in a lot of churches, prophetic painting is not understood. It's just not. Art isn't understood. Dance isn't understood. Singing, hands raised isn't understood. Could the canvas that she paints on, could that be the canvas of destiny that was to unlock all that God? Legitimately, Grace. Was that what God was hoping for? That in all her life, he could see it panning out. And he had planned that one day, an opportunity will come for her to paint in a church or in in a setting, but prophetically. Her opportunity to climb her tree. Would she be so hungry to say, I'm going to do this, I don't get it, but I just want to get closer to you that I'm going to start painting. Imagine if you never took that step, Grace. Could that be her tree of destiny? Because I can tell you there are places where she paints that some are going, wow, that's awesome. And then there are others down the back going, what is she doing? Why is she painting? We're trying to worship God. Yeah? Happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah? Because when we climb our tree of destiny, sometimes there may, may be a chance that you could lose face. Heaven forbid that you would lose face for Jesus. You might lose what reputation you have left. Grace is already out there. Have you seen her worship? She worships in tongues. Oh my goodness, why can't she sing the words? And then she gets up there and paints. And so she comes towards you and you go, oh, too much Jesus. You know, like, imagine if she didn't walk towards her canvas of destiny. Imagine. Yet now... You know, she painted 52 weeks in our church a few years ago and she's been all over the globe and she's got invites to different countries to come and paint. Imagine if she didn't climb her tree. Now, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and there was the keys, the chief tax collector. He wanted to see who Jesus was but because he was short he couldn't so he ran ahead, climbed the sycamore tree. And since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. You know, Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him in that tree. You know, God had planned it. But Zacchaeus had to take the step. But when he took the step, man, God saw it. God ran towards him. Like, man, did he run towards him. I'm coming to your house. Jesus didn't care what people thought about him because of what they thought about Zacchaeus. Man, I saw the man on his tree of destiny. I'm go- I am now going to that man. I'm having an encounter that I have desired since before he was born, since before I even planted the sycamore tree. So I had those angels look after that seed so that that moment could happen. If he never climbed the tree, Jesus, you know, Jesus would never have seen him. Yet he was so hungry, so desperate that he climbs the tree. To get a look you know jesus stops and calls him out I, I love it because the outcome the reward for facing our fears for stepping towards our trees of destiny whatever they might be yeah for showing our hunger is a personal encounter with god it doesn't matter what people think imagine you have i have a personal encounter with the living god a personal relationship but i don't care if people call me the weeping italian preacher who cares I'm going to have a personal encounter with God. Because regardless of what you say, I go away with that encounter. Yeah, You can live 
in your thoughts and doubts and confusion, I'm going with that encounter. Because that encounter, one touch from him will change my life forever. One touch and Zacchaeus all of a sudden was paying money back. He was doubling it, tripling it, four timesing it, quadrupling it. Is that right? Thank you. Just had to get there. My mind wasn't quick enough. I just had to catch up with where I was going. You know, we see exactly the same thing with Moses and the burning bush. You know, they, they actually say that a burning bush in the desert is normal. They, they actually say, because it's so hot and dry, that a bush in the desert can just combust. Yeah? So a burning bush, you've got to understand this, a burning bush wouldn't have been a surprise to Moses. It's not like he's walking along and he saw a burning bush. He goes, wow, burning bush. I've never seen that before. The man tended flocks and did stuff in the desert. He saw it over and over and over again. But I think there was another conversation that happened before Moses saw the burning bush. I think there was another conversation that happened before Moses was even born. I think there was another conversation before he was Egypt, in Egypt, out of Egypt, prince, no prince, murder and no murder. Before all of that, there was a conversation I think happened in heaven. And I think it was like this, hey, you two angels, they're like, oh, not us again, serious? You know, or this would have been the first time because it was before that time, but you know where I'm going. You know, can you go down into the desert and there's a bush there and I want you to guard it and can you make sure that it doesn't combust? I need you to look after that bush for the next 40 or 50 years. There's a guy named Moses, he's coming. I'll let you know when it can. Oh, really? It's, it's not very nice down there. It's, like it's a desert. There's sand. I don't even like the sand when I'm at the beach. There's no beach. Well, I don't want to go there. God. No, listen to me, angels. There's nothing more important than me having the encounter with that man. There's nothing, nothing that I consider more important. See, God from the very beginning has been planning encounters with his children and he wants to meet with Moses. So this bush, like the tree, becomes a bush of destiny. Yeah. And this bush of destiny may actually cause... Moses to lose his reputation but the bush has a divine purpose because God's given it a divine purpose and you know the story Moses stopped and turned toward the bush and he had an encounter with God it reads in Exodus just so you know that I'm, I'm you know reasonably scripturally accurate now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight while the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And I, I won't keep reading the, the passage of scripture. Thanks, Hilary. See, for me, Moses had to decide if he was going to go over to the bush. He'd seen burning bushes before. He'd seen them before. It was common, common to see bushes burn in the desert. See, it wasn't the fire that stirred up the hunger. <laughs> He'd seen the fire before. It was the fact that he saw the fire on the bush, yet the bush wasn't burning. Every other time he'd seen it, the bush was alight but it was burning, yeah? But this time, this burning bush actually wasn't burning away. It captured his attention. And he's like, oh, oh, that's different. You know, like, that's different. 
So now, now he has to make a decision. Will I go over and have a look at that? What about the other guys out there that are shepherding their flocks? What will they think if they see me go towards a bush? Moses, don't waste your time, dude. It's just another burning bush. Yeah? Or, or it could have been, hey, check it out. Look at Moses. He's going over to that burning bush ever, ever since he came from Egypt. He's, he's strange. He's to- Do you remember when he got here, what his hair looked like? Didn't have any, really. Now, now he looks like one of us, but he's not one of us. Why would you go waste your time? I, I was sure he was never going to make it as a shepherd. This just shows us he doesn't have it in him, does he? Like, I, just, I just wonder what the conversation would have been to the seasoned shepherds that have always seen a bush combust. What's he going over there for? Why are you wasting your time? It's just a bush on fire, Moses. But Moses, that already talked about him in circles because he was the murderer, he was the ex-prince. Yeah. I wonder whether he had to weigh up what others were thinking as he went over. Would he protect what was left of his reputation? What he was trying to build even? What would people think about him? Would he get angry with God? That, Why am I in the desert? I was a prince. I could have done so much for you, God, as a prince. And look where I am now. I killed for you and now they want to kill me. Would he get angry with God? Because life wasn't what he expected? But instead, he seems to get hungry, yeah? Again, not angry. His hunger responds to God's hunger to have an encounter with him. And he let his hunger take over, this divine hunger, and he heads towards this, this, bush, this bush that's on fire, but it's not burning away, yeah? Think about it. If he didn't make that decision, if he never approached the, that bush, that bush of destiny, he would never have had that divine encounter with the living God. Never. Egyptians, it's, you know, the Israelites would still be in Egypt. We wouldn't have the, the commandments. It's probably not a bad thing to a degree. Like, no, don't go there. I know, I know. Think about it. If he didn't make that decision, you know, often we come to church, we sing worship, we go to conferences, we go to a prayer meeting, we position ourselves in places, yeah, that can often become for us our tree of destiny or our bush of destiny where we can encounter God if we will let our hunger take us there, if we'll let our hunger move us to a place of abandonment, it doesn't matter what people think. You know, the other week we had three baptisms and um, not to overlook uh, one in particular, but I'm just going to focus on the children. <laughs> But Nathan and Emma, you know, my son and Janine's daughter, Emma, got baptised. And it all happened because of a video. A video of, I'm going to call it a video of destiny. If it's the tree of destiny, the bush of destiny, that can be the video of destiny. Actually, I streamed it live, but let's not get too technical here, okay? (laughs) You know, they came to a youth night that we called J-Zone, Jesus Zone, yeah? They knew that Jesus was going to be talked about and they came anyway. On that particular night, 
we had one person that didn't come because they were afraid that their friend was going to be embarrassed of Jesus. Yeah. So I, I, I'm showing that I'm, I'm not. Crit- this is not criticism. I'm, this is commentary. Yeah. Because you've got two different things happening here. One, my friend might be embarrassed when they talk about Jesus. We're not going to come. Then you've got another two that are going. Well, we're going to go because it's our youth night. Yeah. So they make a decision to come anyway. While we're watching the video, two people are on their phones. One of those was my, my elder son, yeah? Because for him, he's watching it, but, you know, Snapchat's pretty important. I've got to keep my streaks going. So he's doing that, yet these other two are totally engrossed, totally engaged. They're making a decision there and then to actually walk towards their tree of destiny. Because I wonder what was going through their head at the time. Well, what will the others think? Because some of them, they're on their phones, they're not listening, they're talking. My son actually got off the seat and lay down on the carpet, pulled himself away. Like, they're no longer in the cool click. Yeah, the cool click was all... But these two are totally focused on a video that became their destiny, didn't it? Video of destiny that night. You know, the bush for Moses... It, that bush and that video and that tree was planned by God before the beginning of time so that he could have an encounter with his children. Yeah? From the moment that Nathan and Emma were born, God was planning that video. Yeah? From the moment that Ben Hughes, who filmed that for us from the States, from the moment he was born, knowing the, the trajectory of his life and where he'd go and where he and his family would end up, he orchestrated stuff even in his own life that would add to the testimony specifically for Emma and Nathan and there they sat hungry for God God wanted an encounter with them and he wants an encounter with us all you know there's there's another tree funnily enough and God had another one of these conversations with the angels and he says, hey, you two, stop singing. And they're like, oh, flip it. They're like, sit, come on. Now, this is, the sec- this is the third time that you've asked us. Are you serious? Like, can you not get another lackey, another angel? Like, have a look at Mary Bo Peep. She does nothing. Go and get her. We, we, we got better voices than her. I don't know what the conversation was, but they're like, again, he's chosen us again probably failed to realise that there's something very significant in a number three, yeah? That he would choose them again. And he says to them, listen, I've planted a tree and um, you need to protect it. And you need to make sure that no camel eats it, no donkey, um, you know, steps all over it. You need to make sure it stays alive. Please make sure that the Romans don't build on it. You need to protect that tree. Let no dog mark its territory on it. Don't let a man cut it down. Make sure none of those chariots, men with their inventions, make sure none of those chariots, when they come, make sure they don't run over the top of it. Make sure it's big. Make sure it's strong. And until I tell you otherwise, and they're like, God, not this again. What a waste of our powers. Can we do something else, something more glorious? No, nothing, nothing is more important to me than planning encounters with my children. And then one day, 
he calls out to the angels and he says, Hey guys, there are some men coming. Let them cut the tree down. My son needs it. Yeah? <laughs> and so they take this tree away, this tree of destiny away. And this time it wasn't Zacchaeus, but it was God himself who climbed on it. Yeah? Because we can't see God from any other vantage point. Yeah? You will not experience God from any other vantage point but there. Because there's the starting place. He's the starting place for him towards us. But he's the starting place for us where we go, man, thank you. And then we step into our inheritance. Yeah? We can't see him from any other vantage point. We see him only because of what he's done for us. If he never climbed his tree of destiny, if he wasn't hungry for an encounter with us, to have a relationship with us. He could have got angry at his father. Come on, Dad, really? There's got to be an easier way. What about, what about if I twinkle my nose? What about if I cross my arms and just go like that or just click my fingers? I can orchestrate relationship. No, I need you to go. Because nothing's more important, and this is the way that it's going to work. He could have got angry. Jesus could have got angry, but because of the hunger that the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost have for you and I, yeah, he climbed his tree of destiny. And if we will climb our tree, if we will climb, we'll turn towards our bush. If we will do those things, like God speaking to Moses and Jesus calling out to Zacchaeus, he calls out to us. But not once, but over and over and over and over and over again. Because a walk of faith requires faith. And no matter how strong your faith is, there are times you need to step out in faith. It may cause you to lose your reputation, though. It may cause you to lose face in front of some. Hey, did you see Stephen O'Day? He blew that ram's horn. I don't think he did it in tune. <laughs> did you see Andrew at the front with his hands raised? So you think he's at a concert? Did you see Melanie on her knees, worshipping God? Things must be bad at home. You know? What are people thinking? Because sometimes your hunger, yeah, causes you to lose face. Sometimes your hunger causes you to put your reputation on the line. Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus. He just heard about him. And his hunger caused him to climb a tree. Moses was totally distracted, totally off the grid, lost all hope. Yet that one turned towards a bush that he could see wasn't burning, though it was on fire, caused him to have an encounter that reignited yeah, a faith. I wonder how many times the burning bush could have truly burned if it wasn't for God's goodness and grace. I wonder how many times that sycamore tree would have been cut down or trampled on if it wasn't for his goodness and grace. I wonder how many times that that other tree that our Lord climbed was almost taken away too early for when it was needed if it wasn't for his goodness and grace. I know this, he loves us. He loves us. His greatest desire is us. He's so hungry for us that he gave us an example of what to do when the time comes.
doesn't always look nice doesn't always come packaged the way we would think sometimes it comes in the form of sickness he didn't orchestrate that but he planned that time for you to have an encounter will you climb your tree in that time will you have faith when the doctor said it's all over will you still have faith will you prepare to lose your face your reputation so you can have an encounter with the living god will you paint on a canvas in front of people and tell them that it's prophetic art because i can hear god oh you can hear god can you i can it's what i'm painting what he showed me why don't we stand, please? Andrew, do you mind playing the keys? Just met by love in the background. Thank you. What God did and what he's done, he's done because he desires us, yeah? He's planned are always good his plans are always good they're never for evil you know how hungry just for a moment if i could ask people in the church just close your eyes for a moment and ask yourself a question yeah whether you know god or don't know god wherever you're at in your walk whether you're you're flying or whether you've had moments where it's just flat how hungry do you want to be how much do you want to experience more of Him? Are you willing to lose face, lose your reputation? Because all God wants is you. You know, Nathan and Emma approached their tree of destiny, a video that had a divine purpose that was brought to them because of a hunger, divine hunger, to have personal relationship with them. And because of that, they experienced and had a divine encounter, a life-changing encounter with Papa, with Father God. So I've got two questions today while eyes remain closed. I don't know everyone in this room. If there was 20 people, I probably wouldn't know everyone in this room. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. But maybe you've never really given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never taken a step like Zacchaeus and climbed the tree to get a glimpse. Because it was in getting the glimpse that Jesus saw him. Would have grabbed him by the hand and said, I'm coming to your home. Maybe you've never, never stepped towards him in that way. And today's the day. Today's the day to firm within yourself, create a sure foundation to set yourself up to have an encounter with the living God. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. Truth be told, I invite Jesus into my life every day. Every time I go through something that's difficult, I invite him in again and again and again. And then I've got another question for those that have walked with the Lord, however long you have, how hungry do you want to be? How desperate are you for a greater encounter? It's got nothing to do with the church that you're in, the messages that are preached, the worship that's played. It's got everything to do with your hunger. God's already put his hunger out. He's shown us all his cards. Here's my baby Jesus. 
Now be glad. And in fact, I'm so hungry for you. I had a tree just for him. So if you're here today, you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never prayed a prayer that said, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Make a change. Build relationship with me. If you've never prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. Why the count of three? Because the count of one and two works. But just so you know, because sometimes we've got to step over the chicken line. Yeah. Because when we step towards God, sometimes we may lose face. And sometimes we might lose our reputation. And maybe those that thought that we had a walk with the Lord already would be thinking, oh, I thought he already was a Christian. We've got to work and walk past that. Amen. So if you're here today and you need to say yes to Jesus, you need to ask him into your heart, one, you want to build a relationship and have an encounter with him like he wants with you too. Then now, as I call out number three, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see it. So together as a family, we can pray. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand now? Three. So I just, I want that relationship with God. Thank you. I want that relationship. I want that encounter. I want Jesus to see me on my tree of destiny. I want him to walk up to me and walk with me into my home and into my circumstance. So we're going to pray a prayer with those that have raised their hands in just a moment. In fact, let's pray that now. If you're a Christian in this place, I want you to pray with us. If you've raised your hands, I just want you to repeat after me. But we're all going to be repeating at the same time because we're inviting Jesus into our hearts afresh. Amen. So dear Lord Jesus, I want an encounter with you. Thank you for your wonderful gift. Thank you for wanting to come into my heart. Today, Lord God, will you come in to stay? Will you build a deep, deep relationship with me that will change me forevermore? Everybody said, Amen. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, yeah? But now, I believe there are some that have got a hunger that's sort of laid dormant. The Bible says to fan into flame. I think some of us need our flames fanned. I think some of us need to realize that we will experience as much of God as we decide decide to be hungry for God, yeah? And so if that's you, if that's you today, I want you to come to the front. I'm going to ask the worship team to sing Met by Love, if that's all right, if the team could come forward. And whether I pray or others pray for you, I don't know yet. (laughs) But sometimes we need to take a physical step. Moses was met by God because he stopped and he turned towards the bush. Sometimes we need to move. You have to hear me. It's not about embarrassing you. Sometimes we need to move out of our seats. We need to see a bush that's burning that we've seen before, but realize this time it's something different. 
This time I'm taking a step towards it. This time I have to see why that bush is on fire is not burning. This time I'm coming forward and I'm saying, God, I want more of you. Make me more hungry. Fan into flame that which is within me. I've walked with you for one year or 10 years or 80 years, but I want more, I want more, I want more. Today, if that's you, I just want you to come forward now. If that's you, I want you to come forward as an act of faith. Say, God, I want more of you. And if you're in your seats, I want you to worship with the team. I want you to raise your hands and lift your voices and get excited and receive the gladness of heart. There are those around you that want more of God. Amen.
time we 